I want to think for a minute about times when there is no answer. Um, so maybe you've had this experience. You send a message. Maybe it's an email. Maybe it's a text. And nothing comes back. And so I'd love your help with this. So when nothing comes back, what might be the explanation? So you could chat, you could unmute online, you could uh, shout it out in the room. If I send a text, you send a text or a message, and nothing comes back, what might have happened? They forgot. They forgot. Yeah, good. Other thoughts? What might have happened? Their phone dies. I'm sorry, what's that? Their phone died. Their phone died. Yeah, so they never got the message. Good. What else? They're mad at me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's complicated. It's complicated. Hard to give that answer in that in that space. Yeah. You got the wrong number. I got the wrong number. Yeah. They don't care. They don't care. <laughs> yeah. Right. What happens? They were busy. I see that. Uh, the message they may uh, may not have gone through. Yeah. What happens in our hearts, in our minds, when the message goes and nothing comes back? What are some of the things that might go through, maybe not your heart, but you know, other people kind of like you? What might go through our hearts and our minds when that happens? Fill in the blanks. Fill in the blanks. Yeah. We can fill in their blanks so well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, lots of questions. Yes. Something's wrong. Yeah, these these messages that we send to kids saying, "Are you okay?" <laughs> and nothing. And what's going wrong? Right? Sometimes yeah. You think you've offended them. Yeah, the fear that I've offended them, that there's something about what I've said, or something else, or somebody else has been talking to them, and, right? All these things. So, what I'm really interested in thinking about today is when we pray in our troubles but we hear nothing in reply. How are we to think? How are we to feel? How are we to act when our prayer seems to meet silence and we wonder what's gone wrong? I want to look at that today for a few minutes and uh, I want to pray. And the two parts of what I want to pray is one is that God would hear our prayer and then especially that he would help us to hear his spirit speaking us. So let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that we can call you our Father. Because of what Jesus has done, all who trust in him are adopted as your children. And yet, Father, sometimes it feels like we're not hearing anything from you. Sometimes it seems that there is no answer. Sometimes it feels like there's silence. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you can't answer us because there's something blocking our hearts to you. Or we just don't matter. Father, we we have many things that, that we wonder, and yet we ask that you would hear our prayer, and you say you do. And so we pray now that you would help us to hear your spirit speaking to us. Use your spoken word, your written word for us, Father, as we look at these words that you use to describe yourself. Help our hearts to deeply capture what you were telling us about yourself, that we would know you more and find the joy 
of walking with you. In Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Uh, The title today is The Head, Heart, and Hands of God, and we're looking at just a few verses in Exodus. Um, There are handouts. I think you may have gotten those earlier. There are also some links there where you can get it. Uh, It's a short passage, and I'll have it on the screen. Let me just say a couple of words about this passage. Uh, This is in the context of the people of Israel. And God had said to the people of Israel, I'm going to give you great promises. You will be a people, and you will have a land. And uh, the land was so important to them. The, the land was going to bring peace and security and blessing, a place where they were safe and, and they would have the blessing of, of what God would give them for food and to have livestock and to raise crops and, and be a place that was their own. And yet, this was a group of people that for 400 years, they lived in a land not their own. And for me, it is helpful to think, What do I know about my own people 400 years ago? Who do I know among my people from 400 years ago? And I don't know any. Some people might be able to, but I don't know any. And to think here was a group of people for 400 years, they were longing for God to fulfill this promise to them. And yet during those 400 years, things kept getting worse. And so it came to the point where they were oppressed as slaves that they were forced to do labor with, without appropriate pay, without any say in what they were doing, and they were harshly treated, so harshly that eventually their baby boys were being killed as a way to control them. The people who had gotten the promises. And the people were crying out and saying, God, where are you? Why aren't you, why aren't you doing something? And this question was a very real one to them. Where was God? Did he know? Maybe he was looking at something else. Did he care? Could he do anything? Maybe there's just nothing for him to be able to do. Or maybe there was, and he just was choosing not to do anything. Where was God? When they were praying and nothing was happening, and the situation was getting worse. And so then God shows up to a lonely shepherd in the desert, And he says this, Exodus 3, starting at verse 7. The Lord said, speaking to Moses, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And then begins this great adventure where Moses says, not me. Um, Yet God says, yes, you. And I will do this work. I just want to highlight a few things from these verses. I have indeed seen. And and I love this in Hebrew. It's an expression where it's just repeating the verb to see. God says, I really see. Right? And God doesn't have eyes. Right? God doesn't have a physical body like we do. But he says, let me explain it in ways that you can understand. It's as if I have my eyes and I can see out. I'm really looking. 
I'm paying attention to what's happening. God says, I have heard them crying out. And again, God doesn't have ears that he has to hear, and yet he says, all those cries, they've been coming to me. And he says, I am concerned. And in being concerned, this is, this is literally the Hebrew word to know. That God says, I know. And, and, and you know the idea in a biblical sense, knowing is far more than head knowledge. It's an experiential knowledge that God says, I really feel with you. And, and then he says that the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And he says, I have seen. God says, I, I know your prayers, and I've seen what you're going through, and I care. And so he says, I have come down to rescue. This, this I have come down is an expression used multiple times uh, in, in, the, in the Torah and these early books in the Bible that when God comes to bring the ways of God, the Tower of Babel, God came down to see what was happening. Sodom and Gomorrah, God came down to see how bad it was. It's when God comes to say, my will is going to happen here. And so God says, I have come down to rescue. And how's that rescue going to happen? He says to Moses, so I picked you. And you're now going to do my rescue. And I, it's literally come and go. Come and now go. I'm sending you to be the rescue. This wonderful expression in a few verses, God says, let me tell you. In this time of great trouble, this great sorrow, God to rescue because God could see our trouble. God was, could hear our cries and God was concerned. So he came down in Jesus. So the big idea, very simple, the God may seem absent. He sees. He cares. And he is delivering all who trust in him. I don't know if you, you know the experience when it seems like God is just not around. Years ago, I, I, I ran a company. We started a new company, and, and I played lots of different roles in this company. You know, the, kind of the joke, somebody calls up and says, my product hasn't come yet. And, and I say, well, just a second, let me get shipping to see what's happened. And then I click the phone a little bit, and then I answer with a different voice, voice saying, hello, shipping. <laughs> Tell me about this. Well, I'll send you back to customer service now, right? Sometimes I think about my Christian life that way. I think it's great to cry out to God, but we're just going to have to do it because it seems like God hasn't shown up for work today. And yet God says, I see I am concerned, and I am delivering you. Something that's helped us as a church to think about the whole of ourselves given to God is the simple expression, head, heart, and hands. The word of love God with our thinking. We're to love God with our hearts, our relationships, our emotions. And we're to love God with our actions. Why are we supposed to do that? Well, this is the passage that I see. Because God loves us with his head. God doesn't have a head, right? But, but God in his thinking says, I see, I know. And God loves us emotionally. He says, I care. And God loves us with hands in action. He says, I am delivering you. We know that's true, and yet, so often we say, yet you seem absent, God. 
And so the psalmist in, in Psalm 13 says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? The reality is, God often does seem absent. It seems like he's not present. In fact, this is one of the arguments that people use to say God can't exist because evil does. Because if God saw and he cared and he could do anything about it, he would. And yet we're told, after 400 years, God says, trust me. I do see, I do care, and I am delivering. You might have to wait. So will you trust me? Though God may seem absent, he does care. He does see, and he is delivering all who trust in him. His hands may be invisible, but they are not still. God is at work. And and so for us today, lament is a way for us to express trust when God seems absent. And sometimes it feels like, but if I were trusting God, I wouldn't hurt. But Jesus shows us that's not true. He trusted God, and yet he felt the deep pain of sin. The sin that he picked up to carry. He felt the pain of people. He trusted God fully, and yet pain is still real. And so lament, when we say, God, I'm in pain, is a way to express, God, I trust you enough to tell you that I'm in pain, that I'm struggling, and yet I will choose to trust you. It's the application. The first thing is just to trust God's head, heart, and hands, integrated as one. See, God can't separate his thinking from his feeling from his action. People can be pretty good at that. Right? We can be pretty good at saying, I know something, but I don't do anything about it. It's never the case for God. He is integrated in this. And so trusting him is to cry out to God. And to cry out to God is uh, one of the powerful things to do, is to use the words of Scripture and to use these psalms. The Psalm 88 that was read earlier, such a deep cry, saying that now my friend is darkness. Where are you, God? And and to use these words to express our hearts to God. I I have a link here. Something I I offer as a a possibility. Somebody taught me this years ago is to write my own lament. To to do what the Psalms did. To say, God, I trust in you, but here is my complaint. And then fill it in with the details of my complaint. And so there's a link there to a guide that you could just walk through that. To say, God, and it's a simple structure. It says, God, you're God, but listen to me now. Because here's my problem. Here's my struggle. Here's where I need to see you. And I will trust you. And so, so that's an option for you. It's, uh, and maybe it is to draw it out. Maybe it is to enact it. However it is, it's helpful to you express this cry to God. As I said, crying out to God in trouble is a powerful expression of trust in him. Sometimes the best trust is to go to him with our complaint and to say, God, I don't understand. And so I come to you and I come to listen. We're to trust God's heart because God knows he cares and he is working to rescue. We see this in Jesus on the cross. 
Right? We see this work of God to, to take all of the suffering and the, the, the judgment that is due because of sin, and, and he carried it in himself. We see this grace of God there. But also, so I was thinking about uh, this week, uh, I listened to a, uh, a talk by uh, Rachel Den Hollander, uh, one of the key people in the testimony uh, related to uh, Larry Nasser and the horrible abuse. Um, and she wrestled with the question is how to forgive. She says, how could I forgive somebody who has done this? And she, she talked about what happens when she meets with other victims of abuse. And what she said really caught my attention. She said, when I meet with victims of abuse who are Christians, I take them to Revelation and we look at the blood-stained robe of the Lamb. And it's not just his own blood. It's the blood of judgment. She said, the reason I can let go of my own vengeance is because God won't. God is a God of justice. God will bring justice in the horrible evil in the world. And the hope we have is that was taken out on Jesus for all who will trust him. Right? When you think of the anger that we have about people who have done such awful things to others, that was the wrath of God against the Son, saying, if you will be identified with the sin of these people, that wrath is expressed. And so God's care, God's knowledge, God's work is expressed also in the justice of Jesus in his return. God knows and he cares. And with these bookends, the, the cross and Jesus suffering for us and his return and his judgment says that in between this expression from Romans that he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? We trust that God's knowledge, his heart, and his action are integrated as one, and he is delivering us. He did the, the once-for-all action on the cross. He will come back and do this final action of, of, of his final judgment. And he is at work today, often in ways we cannot see. And yet, this passage says, he can't stop. This is God, who is a God of deliverance, of salvation. So we trust in God's head, heart, and hands, integrated as one to love and care for those who will trust in him. And then we're invited to weep with those who weep. To recognize that we as a body live through challenge. And different ones of us experience it in different ways at different times. And so we are called, when one part of the body suffers, to join with that suffering. Not to set it aside and say, come back to us once you've resolved your suffering. is to say, we will join in the suffering together. And so it is to listen. Right? To listen to the lament. To join the lament and cry together. To lament to God together. Which is this passionate expression of grief or sorrow expressed to God with growing hope in him. That's what we hope to do in one way together in a worship service but in many ways throughout the week and over our lives is to join together so we can rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And then the call is to follow the ways of God in head, heart, and hands. And so just like God sees, we should see. We should be a people who look and listen rather than turn away and ignore. 
We should be a people who care, like Jesus wept at the funeral of Lazarus. My sister, uh, who lives up in Grand Rapids, suffered unspeakably at the death of, of her baby that was born, Hope, uh, just like an hour before she was born. And she knew it was going to happen, and it was an unspeakable loss. One of the things that Ruth shared with me is the comfort that came when people would have the courage to ask her how she's doing. She gave me a, a, a writing that she shared with me this week that, that expressed this idea that sometimes we're hesitant to ask people about their grief. And, and she says, it's as though we think maybe they've forgotten about it and we'll remind them of it. <laughs> when the reality is they're carrying this all the time. right? This hasn't gone away. And there's great comfort in knowing that somebody else cares, that somebody else asks. And so a question that we can ask is, would you like to talk about it? Would you like to tell me about it? What are you thinking? How are you processing the loss of somebody, a dream or a person or the way you've suffered? It's to ask. And then like God using his hands, we are to act. And and this can be challenging because what we should do really depends upon what the person wants. And so we need to ask. We need to ask the one in need, would it be helpful if I do this? Would that be helpful or not? Help me know. Or, or what can I do? To say, I would like to join in this struggle. I would like to, to love and care for you through this. And, and it is our hope that in our life groups, in friendships, that there are ways in which we do this together. So that we together find the times to rejoice as there are things to rejoice in. And we find the times to walk together with people in the times of pain. Because this is who God is. Though he may seem absent, he cares. He sees. And he is delivering all who trust in him. I want to give this expression a paraphrase from, uh, from different passages today. The Lord says to all who put their faith in Jesus, I have indeed seen your misery. I have heard you crying out because of your trouble. I am concerned about your suffering. So I have come down to be with you until the day when all crying and mourning will be replaced by joy with God forever. I'm going to pray for us in just a minute and provide some time to pray, but let me just uh, offer some things. Um, Some next steps for people. I think... uh, it's so important for us to have people to listen and pray. And so I encourage you, reach out to people you know. Um, and, and if you're looking for that and you don't know who it is, let me know. Uh, and this is something that we believe God equips the body to do this together. Um, it's not as though it takes a pastor or a board member to do this. It's, this is what God intends for us to be doing for each other. Um, strong believer that professional counseling can be a really valuable thing. And in fact, I am pursuing counseling myself, involved in in the care of somebody who helps me make sense and walk through things, and so really want to encourage uh, people to pursue that. And again, if you like a connection, and I include up here suicide prevention. Suicide is such a significant thing in the United States today. And we have had multiple times in our church where people have expressed, you know what, I, I was there 
couple of weeks ago and and we really want to walk together through times when when there is such deep despair and so there are some good resources beyond us and also we want to walk in this together the pain sometimes is beyond what I know what to do with and yet I do believe that our God is a God who sees, who cares and who is working deliverance and we want to join in that work together I'd like to lead us in a prayer where I'm going to leave some time of silence um, but also to lead us in, in asking for God to do his work in us as a people Listen to our words, Lord. Consider our lament. Hear our cries for help, our King and our God. For to you we pray. Father in heaven, we do pray. We pray today for all who grieve the past. Our Father, please bring healing and hope. As the sorrow lives on, please awaken in us, trust in you, and hope for your work. In your time, show how you can bring good even through the greatest tragedies. Listen to our words, Lord. Consider our lament. Your cries for help, our King and our God. For to you we pray. And our Father, for all who are in situations that are filled with disappointment and sadness, Father, we ask, please give us signs of your steadfast love. Help us to know your presence and your goodness. Help us to see that sometimes you take away what we long for so that we discover that what we truly need is you. Lord, fill us. Listen to our words. Consider our lament. Hear our cries for help. Our King and our God, for to you we pray. Our God, we cry out for all who are in danger today. We ask for your protection, whether it's from attacks that are physical or sexual or emotional or something else. Keep them from harm. Please provide a deliverer. Give them the courage to cry out and give them someone who will see and who will act coming to their aid. Listen to our words, Lord. Consider our lament. Hear our cries for help. Our King and our God. For to you we pray. And our God, for all who fear the future, please assure us of your love and your power. You who gave up your son to die an unspeakably horrible death for us will most certainly continue your work to rescue us and to bring salvation. Help us to trust in you. And help us all to know the love of our Savior who will one day welcome all those who are in him to be at home with our God forever, a home that is beyond all sorrow and mourning and pain and grief. In that day you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things will have passed away. You who are seated on the throne say to us, I am making everything new. Listen to our words, Lord. Consider our lament. 
Hear our cries for help, our King and our God. For to you we pray. And you say, let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let us ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over us. That we who love your name may rejoice in you. Surround us with your favor as with a shield. And so we pray, come Lord Jesus, bring our salvation with you. Complete deliverance of body and soul and mind for all who trust in you. And until you come, fill us with your spirit that we may have great hope and life even in the valley of the shadow of death. May you, the God of hope, fill us with all joy and peace as we trust in you so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.